Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. So here we are, um, still within this weird, wonderful scene, <clears throat> which we discussed many times, is oddly out of order. Um, we could stitch together these verses many different ways, but right now we're in a three-verse section having something to do with um, God's want, the, the, the assumption, based on the, on the, on the, on the simplest shot of the God's seeking Moshe's death, and Zipporah figuring out that it has something to do with a, a circumcision that hadn't been done. Um, and we looked at the Rashis on verse 25, I believe, but we didn't yet read verse 26. I think we finished all the Rashis on 25. No, maybe we did not. We did not do the Rashis. We did not do all the Rashis in 25. So let's read verse 25, read the Rashis, and then I want to go backwards. Or not backwards, I want to focus on something we discussed last week, which is the possible etymology of Chatan, which is really a significant word in these verses. Chatan, which those people who know basic Hebrew know, means groom. And then also, interestingly, that root, chet, taf, nun, ends up mean, um, referring to other relationships of people that you are related to um, um, by marriage. Like, in, in basically, it serves as the uh, Hebrew of in-law, like a brother-in-law. So, chotain, a chatan is a groom, but a chotain is a father-in-law, Right? Yitro is introduced as Yitro Chotein Moshe. It's the same root. So he's he's the one who is related to Moshe because Moshe was a groom. So it takes a lot of words to say that in English. In Hebrew, it's just Chotein Moshe. So we'll look at that um, root a little bit later. But let's get into the verse again. Uh, verse 25, Vatikach Tzipora Tzor. Tzipora took a flint, a rock. Vatichrot et orlat bena. And she cut, she circumcised the foreskin of her son, but now that mapike at the end of the bana is feminine possessive, vatagala raglav, and she touched it, we probably read this as a he feel, it's a, it's a, um, a pain nun verb, naga, the nun falls out in many uh, forms of it, so um, it, it's normally a he feel verb, is a long, is a longer verb than a regular verb, a causative, but when the first letter of the root begins with a nun, it gets truncated. So vataga, she brought it towards, she, she made it contact. Naga means contact. Liraglav, she brought it to his feet. Um, who's the his, we're not sure. Um, uh, we'll, 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 Rashi, we'll, we'll read Rashi in a second. Vatomer, and she said, she exclaimed, ki chatan damim atali. She exclaimed, to who? We don't know. For you are a chatan, a groom of blood to me. So um, we spent a lot of time figuring out the, the, the many possibilities for what the simple shah should be. And, and we don't have a solution, right? The, it, it's impossible to have any certainty as to what uh, those words mean and whom she is addressing. But we got close to it. Let's look at the Rashi. An ki chatan mimatali. Um I don't think we read, no, sorry, the, the Rashi's on Vatagala Raglav. Did we read any of these Rashi's last week? 
Did we read that first Rashi in 25, anyone? I don't think we did. Um, before we read that Rashi, Rick, you have a question? We, we didn't read it. Thanks, Barry. Hi. Hi, Rick. Hi. Just to throw in the mix, blood on legs. <laughs> um, the first Aliyah coming up this week, I only know it because I was going to read it. It's not like I have this in my head. Okay. So um, Aaron is supposed to sacrifice the ram and he touches the blood on his right ear and the son's right ears and on the thumbs of the right hands and on the big toes of the right feet. So there's the raglam there. This is verse 20. Um, chapter 29 is where the first Aliyah is. So I had to bring it up and not let the moment pass, but they're putting Aaron's putting blood on, on the legs of his sons and himself or somebody is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just thought I'd throw that in. We post Corbanot Jews last 2000 years, except for the small population, even within Orthodoxy that is like actively <clears throat> aching for the return of the building of the temple. Um, we're, we're, we don't like to think about how much, how bloody those rituals were and not just the blood of the slaughter, but there was the, the, the sprinkling of the blood, right? That if you look through a lot of verses in Parshat in uh, the book of the book of Shemot and also in Bayikra, it's not just that the animals were slaughtered uh, for sacrifice, but blood had to go in very specific places on the altar and including in very specific places on the penitent, right? So yes, the notion that, that a bloody, um, a, a bloody cut is being thrown at someone's feet is um, somewhat a, a, not a premonition, but it's a, it's a preview to what's going to be the anchor of ritual life throughout the Torah and the temple times. So yes. I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's like, I don't, it, it's like a, it's a, a whisper of what's what to come. I don't know if it's directly connected in, in <clears throat> storyline, but it's a whisper of what to come. But Rick, since you um, unmuted, do you want to read the Rashi on this verse? Sure. Sure. Um, okay. Okay. One or the other. Um, so uh, Rashi's trying to answer whose raglav they were. Right. And, and mostly he's trying to tell us whose raglav they weren't. Right. Because since, since he doesn't give an explanation for why he thinks um, <coughs> in this scene as him throwing, throwing the, 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 the cut, the orla uh, in front of Moshe, it's almost as if we're trying, as he's trying to, the, the most important thing for Rashi is not that we understand what that um, act symbolized, but that it wasn't in front of another set of legs. Who, whose legs might it have been such that Rashi had to tell us, ah, no, no, it's Moshe's legs. Gershon or Eliezer. So maybe it's, it could have been at the, the, um, the, uh, the legs of the circumcised one, whether that's depending on which way we read this scene, whether it's the one we knew that had already been born, Gershon, or the one that we're presuming was born, Eliezer, because otherwise there'd be no one to circumcise. Who else? Norm, Rachel? It could have been the angel's legs. Right. Right. So uh, I, I, was, I was teeing you up, Rick, because you're Ish, ish Malach <laughs> amongst us. Right. Um, 
that it could be the Rashi wants to disabuse us of the notion that however we're supposed to imagine the apparition of the angel representing God, don't, don't think of it as like a human form standing there with legs such that it's in front of his legs or the angel's legs that uh, the foreskin is thrown, um, but rather Moshe's. Barry? Well, I'm going back to uh, the, the vision uh, uh, from uh, uh, that, that this is the original snake um, in the bray sheet that had legs and arms uh, before it, it was uh, removed. And this is a, um, and that's she, uh, Tsipora, is making herself now uh, uh, committed to this bridegroom uh, to save her family. Mm. Okay. And, and if it's Moshe, which is what Rashi says, now let's get into the second level question. Why is it Moshe? What, 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 is, the, what is the impact of throwing this, the foreskin of the circumcised son to Moshe's feet? Like what, what's happening? How can you construct a storyline that makes sense? How can that scene mean anything? Now that we've established from Rashi's perspective, whose feet it is. Anyone? Norm, Rachel? Maybe she. This is her way of show, of blaming Moshe for the fact that it had been delayed too long. That he's the one who delayed, and she doesn't want to be blamed for it. She doesn't want her child to be blamed for it, who obviously was not in a position to circumcise himself as an infant. But that she's placing the blame on Moshe Rabbeinu. Ah, so she throws it at his feet. It, it was your fault. You tarried. You 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 were wishy washy on these on this mitzvah. And so I'm I'm indicating that with my I took care of it myself, but I'm throwing it at your feet just to to show you that it was your responsibility. Okay. Any other possibilities for for any other? And this is remember we're we're drashing a drash. Any other thoughts as to what Rashi means when Rashi says it was thrown at Moshe's feet? What's Rashi's read of the story? If if no one has any others, I'll share with you some of the the super commentaries explanations of Rashi. Um, I'm just thinking that she's clearly, whether she's trying to blame Moshe or not, which is likely, there's, there's some anger in throwing something bloody at someone. Interesting. So it's, uh, it, it's, in addition to what Norm said, it's indicating that it was Moshe's responsibility all along. And I'm, I'm, I'm holding this against you. I took care of it. Hopefully I've solved, resolved the situation, but I, but, you're, you're still on the hook in my mind. Rick? Just to respond to that, again, in, in Tetzavah coming up, when it's, it's touching, um, I was going to see if it was still Vataga, um, touching the sacrifice. Venatata. Um, it just says Venatata al It doesn't say Vataga. I thought it did. Never mind. Okay, Barry. Uh, can we review the verb "vataga"? Is that throwing, like in anger, or is it touching? The verb itself does not have tone to it. It's the root is "naga nun gimel ayin," which means to touch or to um, could also mean to afflict, like a nega is an affliction. But it really here it means to to proximity, and "vataga" means she made it to come close. She 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 brought it close. She. Or it could be almost like an offering, and uh, but not necessarily an emotional um, step. 
the verb itself does not denote an emotion. No, the verb is the verb itself is plain. Thank uh, you. So we, it's it's in our hands to to try to imagine what the tone of the scene is. Some of the uh, commentary, super commentaries on Rashi read it as saying that the reason why she threw it at the legs of Moshe was not really for Moshe's sake, but for the angel's sake. Like she, like to 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 show the angel that she had done what she's supposed to do. She did it. And she threw it at Moshe's feet to tell the angel, see, it's done. And it's standing at the feet of the person who originally was supposed to do it. And, and are, are we, are we good angel? Like, are, is, 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 is the emergency over? Right. To indicate that the, uh, you know, the, 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 the act got to its point of completion and, and the threat should be dissipated. Okay. But are we in error to use the word throw? Cast, bring near. I mean, uh, yeah, can I, can I suggest maybe throw is too strong? Maybe something like daubing. She daubed, like Rick was saying before, that how uh, they, they daubed the, the extremities of the priest and so on. And that this is not anger, but some kind of ceremony. Anything like Yeah. And then she, she caps the ceremony by saying this, uh, uh, instead of saying, she says, what he says, which is like an equivalent. Uh, I missed the it's last. A, it's a, bind, a binding. Instead of saying what you say at a marriage, when you say "hare at mikudeshet li," what the man says to the woman at a marriage, mm-hmm. that she says, uh, "Here, you are my bridegroom." So it's it's a it's a, a union or a, uh-huh. a a joining. It's a ceremonial joining. Yeah, it hadn't been. It hadn't been done before. It's not necessarily throwing and anger and contempt. I'm not ruling that out. I'm just saying it's, I don't think it's required from Tagah. Correct. Certainly the anger is not required. Tagah, it's interesting. I don't, we, we, we have been using the word throw. It does not require us to translate it as throw. Everett Fox translates it as, uh, much more plainly, um, Sipora took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin. She touched it to his legs and said, uh, right, exactly. the way he translates it makes me think that, that Everett Fox thinks that it's, um, that the his is the child, just the way that it's, it's translated there. But she touched it to is probably closer to what Vataga actually means. Right? And the uncles, Rabbi? The uncles? Ukrivat? Yeah. So, um, Karov means close. So uh, I can imagine someone doing a drash on the uncles and saying that he's playing with the word korban, which is kind of where you were going, Rick, that this is something sacrificial, but it probably just means she ma- she brought it close in front of him. Yeah, not um, like from, from Karov. Interesting, she does not, uncles does not reference the legs, right? Uh, she, he translates not literally, but Ukrivat lekadmohi, she brought it close in front of him. Something. Uh, okay, see, a bunch of hands. Uh, Rebecca, uh, Menes first. So, um, what I wanted to say, sort of, is repeating that in some way, is that I think what Rashi is just trying to say here, without a tone, is that we're using the verb taga in that it got close to, but not necessarily touched. So when I read the it would mean to me she didn't actually touch his legs with the bloody 
you know, piece of foreskin, but rather she just threw it close to him. So that, I think that would be what he would be trying to clarify here. Good. And, and so if we combine that comment with what Joel wrote in the chat, which is now that he writes, it makes, it makes, um, it reminds me, we're you, we've been using the word throw because that's how Rashi uh, recast it. Rashi cast Vataga as Vatashlichata, which means to, to throw something, to cast something. It's definitely more of an active <laughs> shoulder action than just to bring something close. So that's how we jumped from the Hebrew in the verse, which is just to bring close to this notion of something being kind of thrown down with some emotion attached to that. But Rashi is not the only way to read the verse. Good. Tova? Um, the comments on tone and, and the opening up the possibility that it's not thrown but touched or placed or whatever, um, it just suggests the possibility that rather than expressing anger or frustration or whatever, that it, it's a way of including Moshe in her act. Mm. That uh, it, it so that it's, in a sense the credit can include him who maybe was originally obligated, and so that it's not in anger but rather we are united in this. You are part and one in the same in this act. That's really interesting, Tova. Right. So if we if we take Rashi out of our minds yeah. for the moment and go for back to this rit, rit, ritual ritual bonding, uh, right. which is what Matt. Matt had said before. Exactly. It could be a a a, a gentle uh, unifying of the whole family in this ritual, right? She she did what she's supposed to do. She goes over to Moshe. She puts it at his feet. It's all taken care of. Yeah. So there's nothing in the verse that requires us to read it with the note with the, with the force of hashlich, a casting, which is a a casting away. Rebecca Leonard. Uh, I was going to say what uh, Toba just said. So um, that, you know, it's a way of, you know, like when you have a moil who's just acting on the behalf of the father there, or you have the wife acting on behalf of the father. Uh, It's just a way of, you know, showing that he gets credit for, you know, for this act that she did. The other thing, grammatically speaking, is that, you know, from my understanding, taga is simply kal. Uh, If it was hefil, it would be tagia. Uh, no, because the, the, the pa would be batiga. The vataga is what tells you, if, if, if we trust the vowels, the vataga is, is what turns it into a, a hefil. And tagia, um, uh, the root of lahagia is not the root of, of, um, uh, of nega as far as I understand. They're, they're related. According to this book, that's what it is. Saying what? Saying that the he fill of nun gimel ayin third person future singular is tagia. Hmm. Um, I wonder if it's different in a vav ha'ipuch form. If if uh, when you when like uh, in some vav ha'ipuchs, what the word gets shortened, like tifkad turns to batefk. I wonder if something similar going on here because it's certainly the case that pa'al would be Tiga. Um, but, uh, but, we don't, but this is, this is probably a hapax legamenon, the, the root vataga, the word itself vataga. I certainly don't, um, know of it appearing elsewhere in the, in the Torah itself. So what we think it means is derived from this particular usage of it, which makes some of the argumentation circular. Um, 
uh, in terms of what you said about the moil, that's interesting, right? I don't remember Lev's moil throwing it at my feet when the, cer- when the ceremony was over, but the image, the idea of, of Sipora being the functionary to do the act that Moshe was obligated to do is certainly resonant as we think of how Mila is done now. Uh, Larry, Diane, then Barry, and then we'll read the next Rashi. So, so going against um, what what Rashi says about um, it being cast at Moshe's feet, if we think about it being cast at the Malachs, maybe this is a form of sacrifice. In the context, Moshe is very ill, and maybe this is a way to appease the Malach. Um, as kind of a mini child sacrifice. Mm. Mini because the child is still alive. Right. It's not really a child sacrifice, but but part of the child has been sacrificed. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that word appease is, is an interesting word because the super commentaries and Rashi they referenced before do read the act as appeasing the angel, but for some reason they read it as appeasing the angel by casting it at the feet of Moshe but it's to appease the angel to, to um, deliver the family from the threat that uh, the threat of, of uh, that he requested Moshe's death. But that, that's the reason for the, for the, for the whole act to have the divine threat. I don't know if anybody has said one thing. I don't know if anybody has said this. I see this quite differently in that I see that, that um, the entire phrase Vitikach tzipor vitikrot et arlat bina I'm sorry, Raglav as being one phrase, um, and basically what she what she's done is she's touching his. It's a euphemism. The raglav clearly refers to whoever she's circumcising, and it's a euphemism for it says his leg, but it means she touched the. The she touched the member. Yeah. So for me, in my reading of it, there's no throwing at all. And there's only one object, which is the sun. Yeah, interesting. Um, I don't know why that never, never occurred to me before. It's definitely the case that um, in Hebrew, regel can sometimes refer to the phallus, right? In, in rabbinic law, in the Mishnah, in halakha, may raglayim, the water of the legs is urine, right? Um, so that's interesting. Can we, we read the whole thing as not being anyone's other, anyone's legs, but rather still within the act of the circumcision? Is kind of what you're how you're reading it. That she she did the cut and then she did part two of a ritual right in that very bi- biological area. And just so you know, that doesn't help me. I got nothing here. <laughs> I'm sitting here amused at all of your explanations, Rashi's explanation, and everybody else. I am sure that if I Googled the most perplexing oh. b- scenes in the Bible, this would be one, if not number one, the top three. Yeah. Good. I mean, it's a good reminder 25 minutes into today's Shi'ur that wherever we get to this week and next week, we will have, l- l- let's, say it, let's say it this way we will have explored more thoroughly the contours of our minds then we will have explored the meaning of this verse. Now, on some level, that's happening anytime you do Midrash, right? Anytime I give a sermon, I don't mind saying, like, what, what am, I, am I really giving you insight into a version, Parshat Tetzaveh, that humanity never understood before? I'm giving you insight into what I'm thinking about and what this, 
um, awakens within me, right? But sometimes it's even more the case that our our midrashing and our searching and our uh, intentionalizing and our supposing and our maybeing are, are all fascinating, and we're doing it on a text that has a, um, you know inherited sanctity to us. But it's probably saying much more about us than it is about the fourth chapter of Exodus, and that's okay, right? That's part of what makes this a personally meaningful exercise. Um, an, a, an utter cynic, right, like a Sam Harris might say, well, you could do that, but every line of literature ever written, right? You, you know, you could p- take, take a book off your shelf and then read that, read that line um, as if something in that line is trying to give you uh, transcendent wisdom about humanity, and you'll find a way to do it, right? So there is something about um, this process, particularly because the verses are so inscrutable that by the end of it, we'll know each other and ourselves better than we'll know what Chatan Damim actually meant. So I appreciate that comment, Larry. Um, Barry, you were next. Um, so just keeping our, our focus on the, the reality of the image, um, it, we're, we're not talking about something big and bloody and gory. It's the foreskin of a newborn, which is very tiny, uh, with a minimal drop of, of blood to it. Um, uh, it focused on that imagery. And, and I, I like uh, the, the last interpretation that um, it, 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 it's too small to take anywhere. So it, it could be uh, to the baby's um, member. Yeah. And but, but the focus, I, I still get the focus of, of this ritual uh, is to um, uh, intercede the, uh, the, the malach which I have given my sense of the image uh, from doing the intention, which was to attack Moshe. Yeah. And we'll, we'll remember that when we try to figure out what Rashi and some other commentators think Damim means, what is the blood in the phrase Kihatan Damim Atali, which we haven't yet read Rashi on, which kind of means for you are a bridegroom, a bridegroom of blood to me. Even in that phrase, what the damim, what the blood refers to is up for debate because I'll just give away the story a little bit, is the blood in chatan damim, the blood of the circumcision, or is there another way in which damim, blood, is being referenced in that phrase? And we'll see how Rashi reads it in a second after we hear from Norman Rachel. Um, In the previous verse, we read that the Holy One sought to kill Moshe. I find it really hard to conceive of the Torah telling us that God seeks to kill somebody without killing them. So I want to suggest that in this verse, after Zipporah completes the circumcision and then puts the blood by Moshe, Moshe then gets resurrected. I will say I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Tachias Hamesim offers an answer um, to this quandary. I don't know how you share a home and a marriage. Do you have a difference of opinion as to what these verses then of the fourth chapter of <laughs> It seems to be an irreconcilable difference that you, you somehow share a, a love and a relationship, although you, have, you, you don't agree on what chatan de mimatali means. How's that possible? <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Let's, speaking about resurrection, let's resurrect um, uh, Rick and let's go and read Rashi on the next two parts of this verse. Okay, so um, 
there's one word, one before that, no? But on Vatomer? Oh, Vatomer, yeah. Albana. We're going to do this. So translate that, which is not hard to translate, then we'll figure out what it means. On her son. Um, What um, else can Al mean? And she said referring to her son. Good. Um, Referring to her son. So, So again, think of Rashi as a disabuser. She said, rather than she just kind of exclaimed um, to the world, to, to, to whom was she referring? She, she, she said, regarding her son, lest you think that the next four words are actually, yeah, four words, because a hyphen, refer to Moshe, right? So she said, and then Rashi wants us to know that the words, ki chatan damim atali, you are a bridegroom of blood to me, is not Moshe, her groom. She's saying it, according to Rashi, about her son who was just recently circumcised. So keep that in mind. Keep reading, Rick, and then we'll see what we, we think of this. In order so, to translate this well, you have to know that um, how how Hebrew does the conditional. Hayita gorem. The word gorem means to cause. Hayita is past tense, but when you put it together, it's like you 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 could have or you are liable to cause. Hayita gorem. You 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 would have caused something like that. Well, the silverman is thou hast brought it about. All right. Um, uh, I, I think it's more like it, with all due respect to Silverman, you, 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 you almost brought it about. Like it, it's, it, it's, it's a pat, it's referring to a condition of the past that is no longer real because she took care of it. But, uh, read it out. Is Gorem related to Lagarme with the Munach? The Gimel Reish Mem? Just to throw that in there. I don't know. Gimel Reish Mem means several things. It means to cause in Aramaic. It means a bone, B-O-N-E. I don't know what, why the, 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 the note Ligarme before a Munach means Ligarme. I don't know. Okay. I never asked you that before. Um, Hechatan, um, Shali, um, my bridegroom, Nirtzah, Alecha, um, Nitzach, uh, that's uh, um, the uh, murder, uh, killed, yes? Yes, Alecha, what does Alecha mean? On you. On you meaning what? Uh, be, because of you, because, because of, of the okay. son, yeah? So, yeah. So, so, so put a period there, so translate that. In one phrase, that means what? Um, she's talking to the son. You brought it about that Moses was almost being killed because of you. Right. What and a guilt then, trip to put on a kid. Right. And then Rashi adds four words and as, as a way of helping you understand what those four, I know you, what, you're going to know what the words mean, but Rashi is now um, producing a paraphrase, right? Oh, right. Yeah, so the, the angel was going to kill my, my man, my husband, Ata, Atali. No, so not that the angel is no. going to. That oh, reg. When I, when I, Sipora, call you my son, that what what are you really? You are a you're a you're a, a horeg, a murderer. 
killer? Yeah, correct. Right. So, so Horeg Ishi, the killer of my husband, Atali, is what you are to me. Your nickname for me, child, almost was husband killer. Because, because of you, not that you did anything wrong, but because of something that was supposed to be done for you that wasn't done, my husband almost lost his life. So reading that back into Kihatan Damim Atali, and this is complex, it's Rashi saying that Zipporah is turning to her newly circumcised son and said, the blood of my groom you almost were to me. Meaning, you almost were to me the cause of the shedding of the blood of my womb. So according to Rashi, whose blood is referenced in Chatan Damim Atali? Moses. Moses, not the kid. Okay, <clears throat> it, Because the act is a circumcision, and the word has, the phrase has Damim, we, we could imagine that Somehow it's the blood of the ritual that is binding them. Going back to what Matt said before and someone else, that this is, you're, you're a bridegroom of blood to me, as if the, the, as if the, the epithet refers to the aftermath of the ritual. Rashi reads it against the grain. No, that the, the bridegroom of blood to me is what you almost were, kid, because my groom's blood was, was at stake as a result of you. So that it's whether you buy it or not, I think it's important to understand that Rashi is reading this against the simplest way of reading what those words mean, as if there's a simple way of reading the words, right? Going back to what Larry said, we we, we have no idea, but chatan damim is 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 groom blood, groom blood, my child, is what I'm, I, I thought of you as because you were almost the cause of the shedding of that blood. So everyone get Rashi before we decide if we Rashi makes sense. Does everyone get what he's saying there? Okay. Before we go forward, I just I just neglected to do something about a half an hour ago. We have a new student joining us today, uh, Albina. Uh, on the um, on the Zoom, it comes out as Bina, um, and she is speaking of uh, in laws. She is Sue Chetzroni's um, um, in law. Uh, Mary, uh, her son Mel is married to Sue's daughter Sivan, and Bina is exploring. Albina is exploring several different different places in the Bethlehem world just to to be engaged in study. And so um, she, she picked a, a a really interesting first class to be a part of because we're we're kind of deep in the in the weeds of a section that once we get past it, we might not think about for a very long time. But welcome, Albina, and if you like it, we'll um, make sure that you have the right text in front of you in addition to what you can find on your phone. But we're so glad that you're, you're joining us. Uh, and, let, and, and add into the chat if there's anything you're not understanding, because we will certainly slow it down for you. Okay. Uh, comments on Rashi's read of Kihatan Damim Atali. Norm Rachel. Yeah, this, this is my comment. And just thinking that childbirth is a bloody mess. And is there, uh, and I was thinking particularly of my dear friend Tova, um, because between Tova and me, we've had five boys. And uh, we, I, I was just thinking, is there a context where we could read this notion of the bridegroom of blood simply as 
the gestalt of childbirth because having done it, it's a bloody mess. Yeah, and the ancients' reaction to childbirth was uh, appropriate given the bloody mess that you discuss, right? There's the, the Parshat Tazria that talks about the extent to which a woman is in a form of nida after childbirth has to do probably with the sense of our, our ancients' reactions to blood oozing, particularly blood oozing from the parts of the body that are supposed to be generative, right? That are supposed to be producing life. And that, that created a, a, a tum'ah, right? Not a badness, not an evil, but the opposite of life, right? So, um, uh, and, and therefore, it's probably not surprising that some drop of blood is required at the transition from anonymity to Jewish identity at a bris or from non-Jew to Jew in a conversion because it's it's precisely the vulnerability of blood being outside the body that makes a moment um, have transcendent possibility in the ancient Jewish tradition. Um, while we're lingering on that, uh, for those of you who have the, um, oh, actually, I keep forgetting I can pull this up online. Um, I want to show you Rashbam, which everyone who has the Torah Chaim has it. Um, let me see if I can find it on Safari quickly, in which case I'll show it to you all, because it's an interesting, interesting contrast to Rashi. This is what verse we on? 425. Verse we on? 425. Yeah. 425. Let's see if Safari has Rashi. Sorry. Rashi. Perfect. Um, it is amazing. Safari may be, as we discussed, like the greatest... Uh, revolution in Jewish learning since the Talmud itself. Let me just pull this up. Okay. So Rashbam, Rashi's grandson, um, on our verse. Interesting, by the way, um, uh, Rashbam disagrees with your dictionary, uh, Leonard. Uh, Bataga, he goes into the grammar, Lashon Mafil, right? He, that's Mafil is Rashbam's way of saying he feel. So he says it's causative or transitive. But that's the one I wanted to look at. Okay. Kihatan damim atali. You don't see where I am. Um, again, Rashbam's Rosh, grandfather said, whose blood is the blood in the phrase? Moshe's blood. Moshe's blood was at stake. It got saved by the child's blood. Rashbam says no. Bedamim halalu. It's because of these bloods. Which bloods? The bloods that I just shed. I, Tzipora, just shed by doing the um, the ritual my groom will stay with me, right? So, so it's not that the blood is Moshe's blood was at stake. Moshe's life was at stake, and I saved Moshe's life by shedding this particular uh, blood. I think Rashi and Rashbam um, would generally agree what the scene is about, but it's the question of what the word damim, blood or bloods, means in that verse. I want to show that to you, okay? Um, Anything else on that Rashi before we look at um, the word chatan a little bit closer? I think that's the end of that Rashi. Yes, Tova. Uh, a question, since you just touched on it, the fact that dam, damim is plural, could it refer to both? That's really nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, d- damim is one of those uh, biblical right, words like pants, right, right, that that so is sometimes it appear yeah. it, it often appears at a plural right uh, know, when it, but that doesn't mean it's not subject to midrash right the yeah. um um 
what's that the classic midrash on um can able the may achicha something like that 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 the bloods of your of your brother are are um are shouting out from the earth and midrash reads it as as that to remind you that when you when you kill someone you kill them and their offspring that they could have produced right that it's it's more than one person's blood that's at stake in a murder so sure i mean it, it's it's certainly um it's certainly ripe for uh interpretation as being the blood of this guy and that guy the bloods yeah good good pick up okay i want to show you some stuff on chatan because we got we we played around with it a little bit last week and i think that uh leonard um shared with us that chatana means um is it means circumcision in arabic is that what you found Leonard, remind us what you found while I'm pulling up what else I want to show you. Yeah, he circumcised. He circumcised. Okay. So I want to share with you what Jastro says about it and that what the um, the BDB. So remember, Jastro is a rabbinic dictionary, right? He he's dealing with biblical roots, but he he's doing he's a dictionary on rabbinic material, not on the Bible itself. So Jastro on Chatan. So B H. Biblical Hebrew. This, I learned something new. I'd never made this connection. Compare with preceding. So the, what the previous entry, if you just think of the way the Hebrew alphabet, alphabet works, is that chet, tet, chet, taf, nun, the previous entry would be chet, taf, mem, chatam. What does chatam mean? It means to seal. It means to sign. It means to complete something. I never connected chatam and chatan, which you could reasonably connect because they're, they're actually quite similar, right? Um, according to Jastro, it's Chatan is a cousin of Chatam. Going back to that thing we sometimes discuss that two-letter roots produce a family of three-letter roots that are connected to them. To tie, to connect, to covenant. I love that as a verb. And from the Syrian Chatanu, right? To protect. Um, and then in the, that's the Hebrew uh word this is the aramaic you know it because the vowel under the chet first of all he always does the hebrew then the aramaic but the vowel under the chet is a chataf chataf telling you it's an aramaic word same means the same thing gives you a couple of examples to become connected um and then as a noun it means not just a son-in-law but a connection a chatan is a connection or a bridegroom as someone mentioned last week i think it was um rebecca menace that the um that the chatan um, brit is the child who is ready for the connection of brit milah. You don't have to use married in that connection. You don't say that he's like he's a groom for the milah. He's poised. He's adjacent to that moment. Okay, that's rabbinic Hebrew, and then oops, uh, biblical Hebrew. So this is the brown brown Driggs, brown driver Briggs, um, a biblical Hebrew. Uh, all of these um, green abbreviations have to do with other dictionaries and different references that I used to know better than I do now because I don't use this uh, book very often. Um, so chatan, circumcise, uh, like Arabic chatana, and it can also refer to a circumcision feast. And here it's in this entry that we see chotain, the wife's father, the father-in-law. Rabbi. Or Yes. Sorry. Uh, you, you just passed chotemet, a signet ring. So again, 
um, it's the touching. What you did with a ring yeah. is you stamped it to seal the wax, and it's just a touching. You don't throw the signet ring. It's it's a touching. So just yeah. wanted to throw that in there. Yes, the, the the part of chotemet that means signet ring is not the touching of the ring, but the notion that it is to seal, to 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 seal something closed. But I'm still with you. Um, and then in this chotain here. It's in this in this entry that we have it meaning both a circumciser and the relation on the wife's side, the one that who is connected to you through the chat, through the chatan, through the the joining, right? So this root is really interesting, um, and 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 this this little uh, research that we do shows why it can be used to refer to someone who is connected to a certain act, like a chatan brit, or a person who is now in your life because of a chosen bond, a chosen connection, right? And that circumcision is somehow a part of that as well. So I thought that would be... Okay, um, that brings us to verse 26, which is shorter, but no less easy to understand than verse 25. Also, I have a hard stop at 9.27 today because I'm teaching a class, in, um, um, not for Betham, at 9.30 that I have to get out of this Zoom and onto the next Zoom. So we... Uh, we're going to end a few minutes early today. Uh, Tova, is your hand still up or up again? Okay, we're still up. All right, let's read verse 30. Uh, who have we not heard from today? Carol, do you want to read verse 30? Sure. 26. Sorry, 26. I don't know why I said 30. Correct, 26. <laughs> 930. I have no idea what Vayiref is. Look at the uncleus. I don't have that. Ah. Uncleus translates it as venach, as if the root is related to release or rest or, um, or yeah, or menucha. Okay. Um, um, what, which, would that be in he feel also? I think it's a, I think the, the, or P- or that, I think because the, um, the vowel under the yud is a chirik. Maybe we could probably understand it as as just pa'al. Um, Everett Fox translates it as um, uh, he released him. He okay. released him. Let he let he let him go. Okay, so he released him. Then she said, um, "A bridegroom of blood." Um, uh, because of the 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 circumcision. Good. So I mean, that, that's about as good as we can do, right? Uh, definitely, the the lamed there is 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 a is a cause a, a, a causal lamed, right? It's a because of as opposed to a directional. And the mulot is have something to do with circumcision. Um, we have a lot of pronoun issues here. He did something to him. Right, the mimenu is interesting preposition because it really means from him, but sometimes you have prepositions that are built into verbs, like verbs call for certain prepositions, like to the word to use in Hebrew is lehishtamesh, but you don't use, you use b, lehishtamesh b mashu. The verb just calls for the preposition be. So it may be that the root vayiref just calls for a mem, uh, a from word. So vayiref menu, he released, let him go. Who, who's the he and who's the him, right? That's a question. And then all of a sudden she said, 
our, our only she is Tzipora, so that seems more obvious. She's already said something in the previous verse. In the previous verse, she said, Ki tali, and, and now she's saying something close. She has the word chatan, she has the word damim, but now she's adding in the word, word lamulot. Right? This reminds me structurally of, of how eheyeh, asher eheyeh, turns into eheyeh. You know, in successive verses, God says to Moshe, what will my name be? My name will be eheyeh, asher eheyeh. And then the next verse, God says, um, tell them that eheyeh sent you. So something happens in between verses 25 and 26 that we're going to have to explain why she pipes up again, why she pipes up again after the yiref mimenu, whatever the yiref mimenu means, and why that phrase is different than the previous phrase. Um, so let's let's start doing our surgery. Rick, questions, comments? Uh, could you help, please, with the onkelos? There's so many more words there than there are in the original sentence. After a venach mine, um, I'm trying to figure that out, and I'm not getting anywhere. Okay, so bechein is like az, like it's like an uvechein, and therefore, uh, ameret, she said, Ilulei dema de mohulta hadain, were it not for the, Ilulei's were it not, were it not for the blood of this circumcised one or circumcision. I forgot if, if de mohulta here refers to the act of the person. Itchayav chatana ketol. My chatana, my groom, my bro, my, uh, my, 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 my Moshe would have been obligated, itchayav ketol, for death. So, so uncle is, is saying that she's reading it backwards. This bloody thing in my hand that I've just touched to someone's leg, uh, it worked because he, the angel, released him from the death penalty. And were it not for the blood of this circumcision, therefore the, the blood is not Moshe's blood, but the circumcised blood, my husband would have been liable to the death penalty. He would have been killed. But it didn't happen. That's what the words mean. Okay. All right. Um, anyone want to throw some questions uh, or comments on the verse itself before we look at Rashi, which um, we may want to wait for next week till Rashi anyway, because it's going to take us more than four minutes to get through us. Anyone want to say you anything on throw, the verse itself? You want us to throw or touch? Ah, or you can cast or you can, what, do you want to circumcise any notions in front of us? Um, or should we just jump right into the Rashi? We can jump right in when once. All right, let's do the first Rashi. Uh, Carol. Okay. Vayiref hamalach mimenu, which means the the angel or the messenger released him, which has to be Moshe since he was the only one. Well, since we're assuming that's who he came to uh, to grasp or hold on to. Um, Az hevina she'al hamila ba lehoregoh. Then, then she understood that it was uh, regarding the the mila, the circumcision, that uh, the the angel, the messenger, had come to kill him. Right. Assuming to Moshe. Right. So if we pause there, it's almost as if Rashi is saying that in the previous verse, Sipora is not acting with certainty. She's just She's trying to figure out what to do in an emergency. All of a sudden, she notices that her husband's threatened. How does she notice it? I don't know, because it doesn't say that an angel said out loud, I'm going to kill Moshe. He, 
he sought to kill him. Right? What does that mean? We don't really know. But somehow Tzipora recognized that, that Moshe was in danger. She did something quickly, not knowing for sure that was the right thing. And then what happens? He releases him. Ah, it must be, according to Rashi, that, that Tzipora understands, I was right. I was right. The, the, the thing that was wrong was that uh, there was no there was a circumcision that needed to be done. And the fact that the danger is over means that the act I took on a supposition was correct. That's how Rashi reads why we're being told that that Sipora says something else and says something different. What what that phrase means, we'll get to next week after seeing that the angel released him. Alan. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking at the, the commentator's Bible, the JPS Mirok Dolot, uh, right now. And there's a, a beautiful comment from Chiz Kuni that I wanted to share. Please. That please. Went, I wonder that, if it's the same one that Joanna I saw put in the chat something about Chiz Kuni, but I didn't have a chance to read it. So go ahead. Okay. Uh, it, I'm, okay. It says in verse 26, because of the circumcision, when she called her husband a bridegroom of blood in verse 25, she assumed that Moses was not supposed to be married to her because he was a Hebrew and she was a Midianite. Hmm. Now, after he let him alone, and for the text that we just read, she realized it was, it was because of the circumcision had not been performed. Uh, so that it was a so that's the difference between twenty five and twenty six in terms of what the reasons were for what was taking place about her relationship with, with, with Moshe. Yeah, and again, that Chizkuni there is disagreeing <clears throat> with Rashi. Rashi thinks that the Chatan is um, referring to Moshe. Like, it's my bridegroom's blood, little child, that you're almost responsible for. Whereas Chizkuni saying that you were almost, you child, were almost a, uh, a bridegroom to me, connected to me as a, res- as a, result, of, as a result of this. And now she realized... Nothing to do with Moshe's identity has to do with um, the status of the uncircumcised kid. Or, or as a husband killer, you would have killed my husband. Yes. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.